Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio, powered by Postano. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports on a global scale. Glad you could join us. We've got some great guests on the show this week. We'll start with Josh Shaw, who's the founder and CEO of Mission Athlete Care. We actually had him on a few years ago, and they just got $35 million in venture capital. They make clothes that basically regulate your temperature. It cools you off or it heats you up. They've got something called EnduraCool, and they're going to start Endura Heat. And if I told you that their athlete partners are Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Serena Williams, David Wright, and Mia Ham, that probably would get your attention. They're a great company. We'll talk to Josh Shaw coming up on our show today. Maury Brown, our friend from uh, thebizofbaseball.com and from Forbes Magazine, will join us. We'll preview the Major League Baseball season. What's going to be different with Rob Manfred as the commissioner of Major League Baseball? What are some of the biggest storylines heading into this Major League Baseball season? We'll talk with Maury Brown about those. And then Derek Mason. 15-year vet in the NFL, starred at Michigan State, played for Nick Saban, had a very successful career, well-spoken guy, is an analyst now for the Big Ten Network and for 102.5 The Game in Nashville. He and I were introduced recently. He's going to be on one of our panels at the Sports PR Summit on May 19th in New York. He's a very bright guy. We're going to talk NFL with him. What a huge week in the NFL with trades, free agent signings, We'll talk about the state of the NFL coming off a very rough season off the field. That's with Derek Mason coming up on our show today. A few reminders, you can podcast our show. Just go to iTunes and check out the podcast there. Type in Sports Business Radio. You'll see that we're one of the top 100 business news podcasts. You can get us on a number of other platforms. Everything is hubbed at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at SBRadio. I'm joined by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing great. And like you mentioned, free agency in the NFL. What a crazy week it's been. It's been fun watching all that. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Me, I've just been on Twitter like all day just watching, waiting for the next tweet to come out. So that's been kind of fun. And, of course, you know, golf's heating up. I'm excited. You and I are golf fans to see where the uh, Masters coming up here in about a month. And, uh, of course, March Madness. I mean, who can go wrong with that? Yeah, and we're going to be at March Madness uh, here in Portland next week. So that's yep. going to be fun for us. We'll be covering it for Sports Business Radio, maybe bring you some conversations, but always a fun atmosphere. NCAA does a great job with that event. It's really become their signature event, so it'll be good to be at that. But, yeah, let's go back to the NFL. I mean, Jimmy Graham traded to the Seahawks from the Saints. Uh, we see... Uh, you know, Kiko Alonso traded from Buffalo to Philadelphia. Um, lots of big names changing places. Shady goes from Philadelphia to uh, Buffalo. So, you know, some head-scratching trades. Sam Bradford and Nick Foles traded for each other. And then while this is all going on, we're also trying to figure out, okay, well, what does this mean for the draft? And, you know, how are these teams going to fill the holes through the draft? And then, as we'll discuss with Derek Mason later in the show, this isn't fantasy sports. You're not trading guys with stats. You're trading cap numbers a lot of the time. So, like, you know, uh, if someone, let's say Max Unger is traded for, uh, for Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham's making a lot more money than Max Unger. Unlike the NBA, where you've got to trade a player within 15% of the salary so they match up, that's not the case in the NFL, Greg. Yeah, and it's crazy because you see big trades like that. Like, you're like, how does that match up? And you forget, oh, wait. They don't have that setup where you can trade pretty much you know any salary for any salary, and it's about cap space and moving people around. But you're right; I think the draft is going to be even more exciting now because we've had so much movement. There's going to be a lot of spots uh, and teams moving around to fill those spots that they've traded out of. I want to remind people that we have set our next sports business radio road show. We love doing these. Love getting onto university campuses 
interacting with the sports business students and bringing one of our big name guests that we have on the show to the live studio audience April 10th at the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State. I'll be sitting down with Derek Hall, the president of the Arizona Diamondbacks, one of the most well-respected executives in Major League Baseball. If you want to follow us that day, you can do so by following the hashtag SB Radio ASU, SB Radio ASU, and then listen to our show the week of April 13th for the audio of my conversation with Derek Hall. You may remember we did a road show in December at UCLA with Baron Davis. That was great. So I'm looking forward to the road show at Arizona State. And then another reminder, the Sports PR Summit is coming up on May 19th in New York. Great group of panelists, former athletes like Tiki Barber, Jay Williams from ESPN, Derek Mason, who I just mentioned. We have Mike Bass, the head of all PR for the NBA there. Um, some really good people involved with that event. To learn more about the event, go to sportsprsummit.com. And then, Griggs, we just added this event, the Junior Sports PR Summit, on May 18th, the night before our main event at the Edelman Penthouse Suite, excuse me, in New York. Great view. And we're also going to have a terrific panel there. This is for students and for the up-and-comers in the sports PR industry. I had a lot of people say, well, you only invite senior executives to your main event in New York, the Sports PR Summit. What are you going to do for the students and for the up-and-comers, the junior executives? So now we've got the Junior Sports PR Summit, and you can go to sportsprsummit.com to find out more information. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports PR Summit. So, Griggs, it's going to be a busy next few months. Yeah, busy spring, and I love the uh, the Junior PR Summit. I love the roadshow stuff because we're getting the younger uh, crowd, the younger audience, the younger student involved in this business of PR and sports and the business side of it, and nobody else is doing that. So I think it's a great opportunity for the younger um, kids and students to come out and really see how this business is run and learn from some experts. It's really great. Yeah, it's great that people have the same vision that we do. A lot of these executives that take time out of their schedule to come participate in these events and make our industry better and, you know, like you said, uh, kind of share some knowledge with the up-and-comers and the students. I remember when I was a student, if someone from the quote-unquote real world came and you know, spoke with us, or I could go network with them. That was a great opportunity. So that's all we're trying to do here. And with the road show, you know, again, it's great to interact with the sports business students and to, uh, you know, bring the conversations that we have here on Sports Business Radio to a live audience. Nothing against our studio, but I like getting out, you know, amongst live audiences and, and doing the show uh, in front of the sports business students and the faculty and the alums, the one at uh, UCLA was great, and I'm sure this one at ASU is going to be good, too. Yeah, no complaints. I think they're great events and a lot of fun. And uh, if you're a student at ASU, make plans to be there because it is uh, a fun evening and uh, worth it. And you will learn something, and you'll come away with some knowledge that you didn't have before. That's guaranteed. All right, coming up next, my conversation with Josh Shaw, the founder and CEO of Mission Athlete Care, his partners, and they're not just endorsers. They've got equity stakes in the company, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Mia Hamm, David Wright, Serena Williams, they are helping Josh and his team formulate products that work for athletes, both young, pro, amateur, older, everyone, and it's good stuff. So you're going to want to hear that conversation with Josh Shaw coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pistano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pistano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pistano. 
Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pistano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Josh Shaw. He's the founder and CEO of Mission Athlete Care. You can find him on Twitter at MissionMan2008. You can find Mission Athlete Care on Twitter at Mission Athlete. Josh, how are you? I'm great. How you doing? Good. It's been a while since you've been on Sports Business Radio. I appreciate you making the time. Boy, you guys are really growing. We had you on a few years ago, like I said, and I know recently you announced $35 million in growth capital funding. Tell us about that. And I guess for people who don't know about Mission Athlete Care, maybe you start there and explain what you guys do. Sure, sure. Thanks uh, Thanks again for having me. It's great to be back. Um, so, so Mission Athlete Care is entirely focused on leading the thermoregulation charge in the market, which in a nutshell comes down to we want to control the temperature of athletes. Uh, we've gone through a bit of an evolution in the business, um, a, a bit of self-discovery as well as um, through, I think, both demand and necessity have found that we are in the pole position to lead uh, this category that we are establishing called thermoregulation and everyone's paying attention to. And the idea is that we want to bring innovative technologies to market that are tested by the world's greatest athletes, Serena Williams, Dwayne Wade, David Wright, um, and prove that in the most rigorous conditions, we can help an athlete perform and recover with innovative technologies that control temperature or aid in the control of temperature. Um, and so we, we launched that line of business in 2012 with the introduction of our EnduraCool towels. We have since expanded quite significantly into a full range of instant cooling accessories. <clears throat> and then last year, launched our first wave of instant cooling wearable gear um, that you can use while you're performing. And so the market response has been absolutely amazing, uh, more than anyone expected here. And I think we're on to what should very well be a multi-billion dollar category. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you sent me some EnduraCool product and I've used it and it really works. And, you know, I guess the prime example that I've seen with your product is at the Australian Open. And I've been to Australia and it gets <laughs> hot during that tournament. Yeah. And, you know, I constantly see Serena using the EnduraCool towel and it helps her. So, you know, if it helps in those types of temperatures, Dwayne Wade uses it during games. Uh, I'm sure it's a successful product for you. Yeah, you know what? I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the consumer believing and trusting the brand. And there are a lot of big brands out there that use hocus pocus and big budgets and marketing dollars, but don't deliver on the promise. And that's that, that's not mission. Mission Athlete Care over delivers on our promises. And at the end of the day, the product works. And so, you know, Serena Williams is an owner of the company and she's a co-developer of products, but you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that when it's 110 degrees in Australia at the open and she is taking a break on the sideline and she pulls out two or three Mission Endura cool, instant cooling towels, wets them, wrings them out, and then puts them around her neck and her legs, you know, it really works. It's not like she's being, a, you know, she's not a standard paid spokesperson. She's an equity owner of the company that's helped develop the products. And you know when she's using them there, they're going to work when you're <clears throat> playing little league ball, playing a pickup game at the park, or you're out, you know, mowing the lawn. The fact that the product works for the most elite athletes in the world means they're going to work for everybody. So I want to hear about this story. You were the CEO of Go Smile before founding Mission <laughs> Athlete Care. You, I think, were very smart, and this is what we talked about when you were on Sports Business Radio last time, to go out and find Dwayne Wade, David Wright, Serena Williams, Mia Hamm, Carmelo Anthony. And like you said, they're not just talking heads. They are equity partners in the company. How did you identify those particular athletes? And then why the model of equity versus spokesperson? That's giving them a lot of ownership in your company. That's right. And I've always been, from my first business that I launched in college called Student Advantage, to uh, my second company, Go Smile, to this one, Mission Athlete Care, I've always built businesses with a great team. I've always been an athlete in business. And 
nothing exemplifies that more than the fact that along the way, each in each of those businesses, my teams have equity. I'm not someone who hoards equity. I, I like everyone on my team to have equity in the business. And when it came time to launch Mission, it was so transparently obvious that you want authentic, genuine engagement from your partners. And so paying a, a top athlete to be a talking head, today's consumers see right through it. They know when an athlete just paid high dollars to be associated with a brand, to have them truly part of the fabric of the business, truly engaged at the DNA level, truly feel and, and actually be owners in the business, it, it just changes the dynamics and the dimension of the relationship. So much so that, you know, whether it's a weekly call or email from Serena or Dwayne or David Wright, uh, and it's a, you know, it's an idea or an inquiry or, or a suggestion. It's that level of partnership that we want to read within the company. And so, um, I can honestly say it's one of the best decisions we ever made. Um, we have been very blessed to have incredible partners and not just because they're tremendous champions on the court or in the field. They're truly genuinely great human beings. I mean, the, the, what these athletes do off the field and off the court is such an inspiration to my team and me personally that makes us work harder uh, and drive further and go higher within business, not just because we represent them, but because they inspire us to achieve greatness in what we're doing. And so, you know, there's also the other side of the equation. Mission isn't just about being a for-profit company. We have a very big focus on giving back. And the fact that Serena spend so much of her time, energy, and money giving back. And Dwayne does the same. Uh, and George St. Pierre. Uh, and so each of our athletes have, have really brought multiple dimensions to the table, and we've been lucky. We've, we've really been fortunate to um, collaborate with some of the world's greatest. What's the best email that you've gotten from one of them with an idea, just, hey, I think we should do this? Is there something that one of them has sent you or brought to your attention and you said, you know what, that's brilliant. Yeah, um, I, two examples come to mind. Serena um, pretty much came to us and said, look, uh, the towel is incredible. I mean, the, the idea of having on-demand cooling is revolutionary. And the fact that it's not chemicals and there's no wires or batteries, the fact that I only need moisture and air to activate this textile is genius. But it's not big enough. I need a bigger towel to cover my shoulders and more of my body area. Interestingly enough, we had literally days before that just received scientific feedback from the Corey Stringer Institute at UConn saying exactly what Serena was saying, which is the more body um, area you can cover with Mission's EnduraCool Instant Cooling Towel, the more effective it'll be in cooling the skin temperature and therefore cool the body. And so she was right on point, even though she's not a scientist, but giving genuine feedback as an athlete saying, hey, these towels are great, but I, I, I need a larger size. I need something that's going to cover my shoulders or be able to wrap around my legs when I'm taking a break. And so she really helped drive the sizing strategy of our EnduraCool towel business. Similarly, Dwayne Wade came to us and said, hey, I love the towels. Brilliant. On-demand cooling, never been done before. It has so many implications and, and, and so much opportunity. But it doesn't sit around my head the way I'd love it to hug my, you know, the side of my head and the top of my head. Can we design a towel that's actually shaped like a head? So more like a hoodie without the sweatshirt. And so we designed our instant cooling hoodie from his feedback. Wow. Those are great stories. So uh, explain to me this. You just got $35 million infused into the company. What does that allow you to do now? So, yeah, it's very important. I mean, we we didn't need the capital. It was more about uh, accelerating our growth strategy and, and really achieving the billion-plus opportunity that we see before us with thermoregulation. And so this is really about organic and M&A growth. And so we have um, – we've been in the market, obviously, for some time, and we've, we've made a couple of small acquisitions. But this puts some, some, some nice, healthy ammunition on the balance sheet for us to go out and consider – much larger acquisitions in the market. Uh, and there are some interesting technologies out there and even some interesting brands that are in that 10 to 50 million range um, on either the Intel inside type model where they're, they're, they're truly the, the technology uh, or on the flip side, there's some brands that are in the thermo space that haven't really been able to break through and could really benefit from a platform like Mission with 10,000 retail locations and 
20 plus athlete partners, um, the brand, et cetera. You have Enduracool, which you just talked about. You have other products as well, though. Can you tell us about some of those? Yeah, I mean, uh, our future is all about thermoregulation. So the Enduracool line has led to, obviously, expansion from towels to accessories to now gear. It, it's, it's not hard to imagine where we're going to be in the, in the next 12 to 18 months. We'll be launching Endura Heat. Uh, and the, and the vision for building a, a counter cyclical, if you will, or a, uh, fall winter line of, of, of high performance accessories for keeping warm, if you will. Um, some of the legacy stuff that's in the, in the business, uh, the grip category has been, uh, just a, a tremendous product line for us and, and really been focused on this kind of niche area of improving performance with hand and foot grip. And we've got some really interesting technologies in that division. Um, and we're looking at options now for where we go with that in the future. But the, the focus for the business is unequivocally on thermoregulation. Yeah, I've used your court grip product before when I play basketball, and that stuff is uh, that's brilliant. It works really, yeah. really well. <laughs> it's a very smart technology. Uh, uh, the gentleman who invented it uh, and worked with a handful of scientists to put it together spent about three years and a ton of money to design what is really the only product of its kind, providing sustainable instant traction or lateral traction for indoor athletes, basketball, volleyball, et cetera. So what are the best ways for our listeners to get your product? So we've, uh, we've got some great retail partners. We've been also very fortunate there. Uh, Dick Sporting Goods, Sports Authority, Models Academy. Uh, we also have a handful of uh, non-sporting goods retailers that have been, uh, been great to, great to us, great to our brand and, um, tremendous to work with like Lowe's Home Improvement, um, as well as Bed Bath and Beyond. And, uh, we're continuing to expand, but our focus is squarely on thermoregulation and sporting goods. It's really given us our authenticity and really the authority we have in leading the charge. Well, and again, with partners like Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, David Wright, Serena Williams, Mia Hamm, it gives you so much credibility and to have their input on a regular basis, I think is really what sets you guys apart from most of the other companies out there. Josh Shaw, the founder and CEO of Mission Athlete Care. You can find him on Twitter at MissionMan2008. Find them online at Mission Athlete and then MissionAthleteCare.com. Josh, thanks again for taking the time to join me on Sports Business Radio. Thanks, Brian. Great pleasure. Call anytime and uh, continue success for you as well. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. Powered by Postano. Hello, my name is Sophia Berger. I want to tell you about the Pixie Project. The Pixie Project matches pets to the right people. The Pixie Project takes pride in finding matches for both people and animals. The Pixie Project also offers low-cost veterinary assistance. My family worked with the Pixie Project to adopt a lovable puppy, Scotty. He's a great addition to our family. So if you get a dog or cat, kitten or puppy, you should go to the Pixie Project. To learn more about the Pixie Project, visit them at www.pixieproject.org. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Maury Brown. You can find him on Twitter at BizBallMaury. Always enjoy having him on. Maury, how are you? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you today? I'm doing great. Wanted to have you on to talk some uh, Major League Baseball season. We're in spring training. The season's coming quickly. Let's start with new commissioner Rob Manfred. Uh, his era is underway. What are some of the changes we've seen already since he's taken the torch from Bud Selig? Well, I think the biggest thing is that they're going to try and reach more fans. And, and in that, I, I think one of the things they're going to try and do is speed up the pace of play. And how that happens or whether um, it's enough to make any changes, we're, we're seeing it in spring training right now. It's, it's almost becoming an entertaining thing to watch You know, batters realize that they've got to keep a foot in the box if they don't take a swing and whatnot. And it seems a little bit faster, but I mean, it's baseball. I mean, I don't know if you can make substantial changes around it to, to, you know, really pick up the pace, but that's certainly one thing. And then, uh, you know, I, he, he, on the media front, I, I think that they're trying to make some changes that hopefully will lift, um, blackouts for streaming and local markets are going to try and get in market streaming 
but that's been uh, some challenges right out of the gate, and, and they're trying to work through that. I know Fox and Comcast aren't aren't playing very well with this right now, and they say that they're at an impasse, and baseball saying that they're trying to work on it, but they seem to be working on things. But for Rob, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, they're, they're going to start trying to zero in on, on the next collective bargaining agreement. They have a year to deal with that, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. So far, so good, I guess, is the best thing to say uh, with baseball. Now, Major League Baseball lost some key executives in this transition. Uh, how is Major League Baseball advanced media? Are they going to be making any more changes? Can we expect anything differently from them? I can say from a selfish standpoint, we've had the Sports PR Summit the last two years at the MLB Fan Cave, and I love the Fan Cave because it helped them reach a younger demographic. And it was also a great place for players coming in through New York to come in and do the MTV show. And Maury, one of the things I've always said about baseball is they don't do a good enough job showing the personality of the players. And I thought the fan cave allowed them to do that with their MTV show and just uh, some of the things they were able to do via social media, engaging a younger crowd. What about MLB advanced media? Well, so first of all, I mean, for, you didn't mention it, but I mean, it, it would be remiss not saying it. I mean, they dropped Pancake, which I thought well, I, I can't quite figure out. Um, and so, I mean, they, they're, so Manfred has said that they want to reach a younger demo. I mean, I didn't mention this up front, but it, you know, so now is an opportunity for that. So he wants to re- reach a, a, a younger demo and they're trying to do that basically by getting kids engaged in playing baseball, but they've really talked about it across the board. So I don't know. Uh, Shutting down fan caves seemed to fly in the face of conventional wisdom that way. But to the, the losses that they had, Tim Brosnan, who was in, in charge of television, um, was basically pushed out. And so Manfred and Tony Petiti uh, from MLB Network came over. Petiti is now the number two. He's the COO of the league, and Bowman is right underneath. And so the the changes are really they. You know, it used to be that they would negotiate. Um, media rights deals with basically streaming online digital as a separate thing. And he had, it was creating all kinds of problems. They were reaching, you know, national TV deals, but then he had to reach his media rights deal as well. And now that's all under one umbrella. And I think that that's a, a key component. I mean, you look at this restructuring and you've got basically the head of MLB TV as the number two, and you got the head of MLBAM is in number three. It's a clear sign that they're looking very closely at the media landscape and how important it is right now. Um, Manfred basically said to me that um, even even uh, in the time since he took over, there's been changes that have happened, and they're going to and MLB Advanced Media. They've made no denials about this. They're going to split it in two, and in that, I mean, they're going to go and align with a strategic partner. And they'll do stuff like they're just now doing with HBO now, which will, they'll be the, they'll be doing stuff for other, um, for other companies that won't necessarily be baseball related. Manfred was very keen to say that the 30 clubs will always be engaged in baseball, um, products and baseball properties in that way. So MLB advanced media will remain that way, but there'll be this other arm of the company that will be dealing with stuff like, um, March Madness or the the infrastructure that they do for ESPN and now that they're doing for HBO. So, I mean, the media landscape for Major League Baseball is huge, and it's not all baseball-related. So it's a huge part of their um, revenue intake that they're getting, and I think that they're going to grow it. They want to get to a billion dollars just with MLB Advanced Media, and I think they're going to do it in short order, Brian. it's It's been really an amazing thing. Maury Brown, who covers sports business on a variety of fronts, he writes for Forbes. You can find him on Twitter at BizBallMaury is joining us. A-Rod is back. And you know what, Maury? I'll tell you, as someone who does PR, I thought the story in ESPN the magazine was brilliant because I had never once believed A-Rod, never felt just even a tinge of sympathy for him on any front. And after reading that story, I actually find myself pulling for him, it seems like, and it, again, you know, it's hard to trust A-Rod, but it seems like he really did go to purgatory for a year. He did a number of things, whether it's, you know, going back to college or going to see a therapist, coming clean with his daughter. You know, it seems like he is taking responsibility for his past actions. And since he's returned to the field for the Yankees, he hasn't been a distraction. He said the right things. What do you make of A-Rod? 
Well, I, you know, for those that didn't read the story, they really should. I mean, it's a fairly long read, but it was interesting. I mean, so all the things that you mentioned I thought were positive. I'm not sure about taking hitting <laughs> instruction from Barry Bonds and looking up to Barry Bonds. I mean, there was the whole, you know, whether he was, you know, never convicted of basically using performance-enhancing drugs. It, it seems pretty obvious, especially if you see Bonds um, now, who looks like the Bonds that we remember in Pittsburgh, is right. much thinner. And, and what he was doing with the Giants. But yes, I mean, you know, I mean, there was, there was a picture today on Twitter of him, you know, really taking to heart meeting with the fans, um, reaching out to them and trying to do his thing. And in my mind now, um, the, the key thing here was he met with Rob Manfred and Manfred led the whole charge on the whole biogenesis thing before he took over as commissioner. And if Rob Manfred can sit there and say, all right, man, you served your time. And we're going to be watching you closely, but, you know, welcome back. And in other words, if he can go out there and hit and do his thing, um, then, yeah, let him do it. You know, I, I can't um, I, I can't sit there and and make somebody suffer any longer, although, you know, he, he lied to us twice and went pretty far down the road here with this last instance, basically saying he was going to take not only the league but the Players Association to the mat. But I, I, I did. I thought that the article was very good. They didn't quote him. I thought it was very clear that they, that it was um, something where the, the writer, the, the, the individual that wrote the story said to put his name in quotes would just be, um, it would, it would not serve well. It, what his actions have to do something. He seems to be following along with it. So, I mean, he's going to be an interesting story. I, you know, whether he makes the roster will be interesting. I don't know how they do it. I guess they're going to use him as DH. But at, at age 40, he's got a pretty steep hill to climb. Well, and the other thing is, look, no matter what anyone says, A-Rod's not going to make the Hall of Fame. That's going to be the ultimate penance on all of this, right? Because he's probably one of the 10 best players to ever play if he was clean, which he's not. So, you know, he's going to wind up like Bonds and Clemens and, and the rest of them who uh, that's their ultimate price that they paid for cheating is – not making the Hall of Fame, but A-Rod's got $60 million to come back to. That's a lot of money, especially when you consider the fact that he probably had tons of legal fees and lost income for a year. Yeah, I mean, so part of it, well, he, he didn't lose all his income. That's something that was rarely um, reported. He actually did collect some money right after he was suspended. But, I mean, all that together, I mean, the big thing that the, the Yankees are still trying to do is get out of this milestone clause. You know, and, and so, you know, far be it for me to be an a Alex Rodriguez apologist. But, I mean, you know, look, <laughs> they, they got a, they won a World Series with him in there for 2009. So, you know, you want him to apologize for not juice, for juicing, you know, and, and basically throwing and muddying and sowing the Yankees' name. But you didn't seem too upset about that in 2009. You're not asking him, you know, to apologize for what he did. Um, you know, to win them a World Series at some point. But irrespective of all of that, um, you know, I, he is going to pay that price. I mean, look, the money that he garnered out of this, you know, juicing um, is is the ultimate thing. And I think that that's what drives a lot of them. A, it's it's either a matter of, hey, everybody else is doing it. And, and then after we put the drug policy in place, it's, hey, if I can get away with this and I'm going to earn this money, then bring it on. I think ultimately it boils down to two factors, Brian. It boils down to, I think, largely competitiveness. That's the big thing. If you listen to Mark McGuire or you listen to Alex Rodriguez, it was, the idea behind using it was really trying to get through problems of, of you know, the body falling apart in McGuire's case. And he always said over and over to Bob Costas, I wasn't, I wasn't enhancing. I was simply being able to get to the level that I was at as my body started to deteriorate. Well, that, that's, that's really, you know, an enhancement of a different kind. And then there's certainly the money. And, and certainly in Alex Rodriguez's case, the money was a large part of this. So um, it, it makes for an interesting storyline. He's going to be vilified the rest of his life. And that's something that, you know, he seems to be coming to grips with if he's really following through with this situation with his therapist and his kids. We're joined by Maury Brown. You can find him on Twitter at BizBallMaury. Another big story heading into the upcoming Major League Baseball season, the decline of Josh Hamilton. Just a sad story. I was so excited to see him come back from all of his drug problems. And, you know, he was really down and out. And now it looks like he's fallen to those depths again. What's going to happen with Josh Hamilton? 
Well, I mean, the first thing, you know, from the nuts and bolts of things, he'll enter the drug treatment program from the league. I mean, he, he was still under a very watchful eye. Um, you know, he, he basically had to provide urine samples as many times as three times a week, but that's not always been the case. But, I mean, clearly this is, you know, part of me sits there and says, you know, there will be some quarter that will sit there and say, um, he, he deserves this, he goes to this. But the, the larger issue at hand for me is that it's, you know, he, he clearly has an addiction problem. I mean, this is, this is more than something that um, is just, oh, how can he do that given all the money? Clearly, you know, this is a larger issue. So I, I'm hopeful. I've been hearing some rumors that, of course, the MLBPA went ballistic about leaks. One rumor was that it was he could see up to a year in suspension over this. I seriously doubt that's going to be the case. When the league said, or when the, the Players Association said that there were some gross inadequacies in what has been reporting, I can only assume that that is what this is about. But I, he's absolutely going to get some form of suspension. Um, how long it is, I don't know. But it's bad because he, here he's coming off injury. You know, he, he'll he'll basically serve it out while he's basically trying to get um, whatever the suspension is. It'll, it'll add to what he's trying to rebuild himself. But he's got some serious soul-seeking to, to deal with. Um, and it's a serious problem. It's very sad. I'm, I'm, I, I probably had the same reaction that you did, Brian. You wanted to see some uh, a great success story with a, a very happy ending and never have to see him look back on what he went through. But, you know, it's addiction. That, that, that doesn't seem to be the case with him. From a business standpoint, the Angels are paying him a considerable amount of money. Can they recoup any of that money? How does that work? Well, that's going to be the question is whether he's going to be able to get it um, paid. I, you know, the thing that I don't know, Brian, and, you know, and I should be up on this kind of thing, but I'm not. I don't know if there was any insurance that would cover this kind of thing with him. Um, I, I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, if he's suspended without pay, then it, it'll be a matter of um, then, then, then the Angels don't worry about such a thing. Um, it's really how he performs, you know, later on. I mean, this is the thing that we rarely talk about. They go, well, the player's suspended without pay. But what you're really doing is in that period of time, as certainly for veteran players that start to age and they decline, you're really paying for that window. I mean, you, the back ends of many contracts, of course, are really, you know, I, I, oftentimes you don't get the performance that you're paying for. And so, of course, any time you have the clock ticking with Josh Hamilton is never good. He's already started to climb. So I, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm I'm looking to see what happens. There were supposed to be rumors that it could be as early as next week. Um, you know, we'll we'll just have to see how they they find him and what's going to happen. I think it will be a unique case with him. That's for sure. We're talking Major League Baseball with Maury Brown. You can find him on Twitter at BizBallMaury. You tweeted out something that I really didn't think about, but it makes a lot of sense. 21 of the 30 MLB franchises have earned postseason berths over the past five years. That is a fantastic stat for any league and just shows the parity that exists in Major League Baseball. Well, it is, Brian. I mean, the league's going to ha- hang their hat on that. I mean, there is some some level of truth that, um, while you're getting in there, getting just getting in there, it you know isn't the ultimate end goal, right? I mean, you start to get into World Series champions. While the top salaried teams have not been there, they have certainly been in the, the top fifth of of the league to try basically get in there. I mean, you want to be at the very least, you want to be in the top you know third of the league in tro- player payroll, and that would kind of make sense because what what you really have happen is. Um, you have teams where certainly the, the pitching depth is what really starts to play us out in terms of how far you get into the playoffs. But yes, I mean, it is a sign of parity um, over the last five years. I mean, you've seen teams dwindle, like the Yankees certainly are in the midst of a rebuild. And you've seen some other ones that have had lightning in the bottle, whether it's been, you know, the Royals or the Rays prior to this. Um, you know, it does see, seem to say something about baseball. And I think the key thing here is that, um, Everybody has opportunity right now. You can't use money as the excuse. You can say that I don't have money to be sustainably winning and keep up with the likes of the Dodgers or keep up with the likes of the Yankees in terms of spending. But it does offer windows of opportunity, and we're seeing more and more the emphasis placed on the draft. And so if you have smart people, I, I come back to what Stan Cass and the, basically the, you know, the head of the Dodgers um, organization or the spokesperson for the Dodgers president said that, which was that, it, you know, it never hurts to be rich. 
but you have to be smart as well. And the Dodgers are a prime example of this um, in terms of the amount of money that they've had, but they haven't been able to get into the World Series. So I think we're going to continue to see this. The, the Mariners, I think, will be interesting to watch this year. I think it'll be um, interesting to continue to look at the Royals to see whether they can continue it. And then I'm looking at the Cubs, which will be an interesting storyline. So all of those teams, um, the Royals you know, haven't been there in a long time, and last year that changed. And then the, the Mariners haven't been to the playoffs in, in a considerable period of time. And certainly know the stories behind the Cubs. If they got to the World Series, it would be a, a, an amazing story. I mean, think about that. You just mentioned the Mariners, the Royals, and the Cubs. And, more, it seems to me like the balance of power has shifted to the NL. You've got the Dodgers, the Giants, the Nationals, the Cardinals. And in the AL, it's really wide open because the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Tigers aren't the powers that they've been over the last decade. Well, the Red Sox have been a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, they went from worst to first. To, you know, where they keep kind of roller coastering in this year, I think that they could easily be competitive again. The Yankees, of course, are, they're, they're just, they have so many bad albatross contracts around their necks. I mean, we've been talking about Alex Rodriguez, but they have others around their neck that are really preventing some, some situations and they're going to be in a rebuild. But uh, yeah, it is a bit more wide open right now. Um, I think that the, the NL certainly has been kind of an interesting study in terms of really pitching and development. Um, so yeah, I think that it'll switch. That we've seen this this kind of balance of power shift back and forth over the years, and you know, right now we're we're moving into a bit of a National League um, power, and you know, I imagine over a period of time it'll shift back to the AL. Before I let you go, any other big storylines heading into the Major League Baseball season that you're keeping your eye on? Well, I think that it's going to be interesting to see the situation to where they're going to allow bidding for the All Star game to happen, and and this is a real shift because. You know, before it would seesaw back and forth. You'd have the AL, then the NL, then AL, NL. And we we're going to have three years in a row now with the National League hosting. And you go, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is the winner of that um, game really has home, field, has home field advantage for the World Series. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. And then, of course, the real big thing is going to be watching this pace of play thing and whether they implement not necessarily – um, this year, whether they implement a clock, I think that that'll be an interesting thing to see if we start to look at um, towing the rubber and getting it going. Baseball's never had a clock, and so everybody's looking at pace of play. So those are kind of the key storylines I'm looking at right now. What about uh, expansion of the playoffs? you think that's something we may see in the next few years? No. I, well, you know, the only thing that you might be able to do is add in some more wild card, but the only thing, the only way that I think that that really happens is if you shorten the season up. And while Rob Manfred said that he was open to the idea of getting back to 154 games, I just don't see it. I don't see the owners. There's so much revenue involved, Brian. I don't, I don't know how you make that happen. But uh, expansion of the playoffs, I think, will be a while off. Um, you don't want to dilute it too much. But the wild card has been an interesting addition. Great stuff, as always, from our friend Maury Brown. He writes for Forbes. You can find him on Twitter at BizBallMaury. Maury, thanks a lot, and let's have you on again soon. Thank you for having me, Brian, and have a great day. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Just gonna stand there and watch me. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. 
My guest is Derek Mason. He's a 15-year NFL veteran. He's now an analyst for the Big Ten Network and on 102.5, the game in Nashville. Derek, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How about yourself, Brian? I'm doing really well. Thanks for being on the show. Great to talk to you. Also want to start off the interview by saying how uh, lucky we are and fortunate we are to have you joining us at the Sports PR Summit on May 19th in New York. You're going to join Tiki Barber, Jay Williams, Mary Byrne from USA Today, and Mike Bass from the NBA on a sports and society panel, and you're going to be a great addition to that panel. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us on May 19th. Oh, no problem. That's a great cast of people all together in one room. So it will be very exciting. So let's talk NFL. I'll tell you what. Uh, this week has been about the craziest free agent slash trading period that I can remember in a long, long time. Some big names changing uniforms. What are some of the deals that have caught your eye? Uh, I think the biggest deal was uh, obviously in Donovan Sue going to Miami. Um, and then Miami, you know, Detroit replacing Sue with Haloti Nada. Haloti Nada is a perennial, you know, all pro guy, a pro bowl guy. He's a guy that was a fixture in the Baltimore Ravens locker room in the community. And he was one of the cornerstones, young cornerstones of that defense. And for them to trade him away, it was a shocker. I know Baltimore's trying to get under the cap and, and because they want to do some, a few other things. But I just felt that Haloti Nada was a guy that you would try to keep if all, if all else failed, you would try to keep him. But, you know, the NFL being a business, they shipped him to Detroit. Detroit filled the need. And now the Baltimore Ravens have to fill that need that was uh, created by the loss of Haloti Nada. And I believe Ozzy will do a great job of plugging someone else in there probably not getting the productivity that Haloti gave you, um, but going in there and doing a good job. Yeah, that's the thing with the cap in play that a lot of fans don't realize. A lot of fans look at these trades and they just look at them as like, how does this affect my fantasy football team? They look at the stats. <laughs> but when you're Ozzie Newsom or any other GM in the NFL, you've got to look at if I have one guy that's eating up a bunch of my money and I can pay three people with that one person's money, then I have to maybe make a tough decision and get rid of a, a Lodi Nada. Or, you know, we've seen other big names uh, moved in the last week as well, right? Yeah, we have. LaShawn McCoy goes to um, Buffalo in a trade. Uh, Philly loses uh, Macklin uh, through free agency. Um, there's other guys that have went from one team to another, and a lot of it is really because of the, because of the sap, uh, cap salary, uh, you know, the salary cap with the NFL. Uh, Teams try to find a way to keep their core players. And at, at times, it just can't happen. So you figure out, hey, are we better off without this guy or do we need to find a way to keep him? And in those certain situations, Philly with LaShawn McCoy, they felt they would be okay without LaShawn McCoy. They can play someone else in that um, at that running back position. And I believe they since when they got someone, um, and then in Baltimore's situation, it's can we replace a Haloti Nada who was injured and who got suspended last year? So they felt in his absence that they, w- they would be okay. And that gives them an opportunity to get under the cap to possibly go get other guys. So a lot of times it's not about the player per se. It's more so about how much money is this one guy taking up on our cap. Well, and the thing that's different than a league like the NBA where when you make a trade, you've got to be within 15% of the salary of each player. So you can't trade someone making a lot of money for someone not making that much money. If you look at LaShawn McCoy for Kiko Alonso or even this week, Jimmy Graham for Max Unger, you're looking at a big discrepancy in salary. So that's what makes the NFL a little bit different. It's interesting we're seeing some skilled players who make a lot of money traded for some linemen and some people who don't make as much money. Yeah, that's why this this league will continue to be uh, head and shoulders above any other league out there because you can trade a Haloti Nada for a second or third round pick and it doesn't have to be comparable with the dollars. You can trade a LaShawn McCoy to get a Kiko Alonzo, Alonzo Kiko, I believe, or 
Orlando and uh, salary cap and, and, and salary doesn't have to match. Uh, that's what allows the NFL to have so much parity in the NBA. You can't trade a Carmelo Anthony to LA for just uh, a guy that's been sitting on the bench making two or three million dollars. You can't do it. So the NBA will continue to struggle with the teams that are at the, uh, are at the lower half of the uh, NBA and those that are the upper echelon teams like the um, Chicago Bulls or the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Santa Cruz Spurs. Those teams will always be dominant. In the NFL, you could have the Kansas City Chiefs team two years ago that won two games and they come back and make the playoffs. So because of the parity, because of the salary cap, and because you can trade a guy and his salary doesn't have to match up with the other guy, you will always constantly have teams that will improve drastically drastically the next following year. Derek Mason, a 15-year NFL vet, played for the Titans, played for the Ravens, played for the Jets. You can follow him on Twitter at dmason. 85 is our guest. You know, Derek, I was struck this week by the number of young players who retired. Patrick Willis, 30. Jake Locker, 26. A few other guys that retired in their 20s. Is this a case where we're going to start to see more players with all the talk about health and injury concerns? And, you know, we see a lot of the players who uh, have retired from yesteryear who played in the NFL that are having health problems now? Are guys saying, you know what, I'm going to take my money and get out while I still have my health? I think guys are more aware of what they're putting their bodies through. I think it's more so on the forefront of everyone's mind nowadays with what happened with the concussion issue and the lawsuit that the NFL went through. I, I think guys are reevaluating. Um, how long they want to play this game. When I got in in 97, it was, hey, if I can get five years in, five turns, if I can get 10, and then it turned into, hey, I'm just going to play as long as I continue to um, have that desire to play. Guys are looking at it from a different standpoint now. Guys are trying to get their money quick, and if they can get out uh, minus the injuries, then they are leaving. You see a Patrick Willis who has had his injury problems, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, was a uh, key to him retiring because he had so many injury problems. So he finally decided to give it up. And then Jake Locker here in Nashville, the, the desire to play the game was gone for him. And he dealt with so many injuries that he just felt it wasn't working anymore. So um, you're going to see um, guys starting to play a little less um, than they used to play. Guys that played 15, 17, 18 years, 21 years, like Gary Rice, um, those guys are no longer uh, in the NFL. Those guys, that, that day is gone. That's like the old dinosaur. Those days are gone. You're going to see guys playing, you know, six, seven, ten years, and after that, a lot of guys are going to start to retire. You played 15 years. How's your body feeling? How's your, your health these days? I'm great. Uh, I was blessed to have played such a long time without any major injury. Um, I had a broken scapula that was probably the worst injury I've had in my 15-year career. Other than that, um, I'm able to run, play around you know, with my son, and have no ill effects of the 15 hard years that I played in the NFL as well as the four years that I played in college. So. I was one of the few that was able to kind of leave the game without any residual effects on my body. That's great. Good to hear that. Uh, let's talk about the state of the NFL. Uh, the last year was uh, a rough one for the NFL. The NFL has always sat up on the top of the mountain. You know, they have the best attendance, the best TV ratings, the best sponsorships. They're really king as far as U.S. sports is concerned. But they ran into some problems with the Ray Rice situation and the Adrian Peterson situation. A lot of the talk was about what was going on off of the field. Do you feel like the NFL has weathered that, or is there still work to be done before people maybe view the league as they did before all of this happened? Well, I think it's, it's twofold. I think, yes, they have weathered the storm, taking it, taking that nothing else happened. Right. If nothing else happens, then the NFL will be fine. But the NFL also must continue to be proactive and not reactive to situations. The whole Ray Rice situation, the uh, Adrian Peterson situation, 
why the NFL wasn't more proactive and reactive and not just, you know, educating guys on what they should and shouldn't be doing, uh, but the fine system and the suspension system, they almost treated it as if it was just any other um, incident that happens. No, it's not. It's different. When you put your hands on a female, it's totally different from uh, a DUI. Uh, I think now the NFL has gotten more proactive. Um, they, they become reactive in that situation. So in, in, in the future, these problems hopefully, hopefully will not come up. And if they do, then they have a strict mandate that, hey, listen, if this happens, this, you know, you're going to be suspended you know, for half of the season. And I think it's six to eight games. So I think they got that part figured out right now. But I just, I just wonder why they had to take a situation like Ray Rice or a situation like Adrian Peterson because this is not the first time it has happened in the NFL. So if this is not your first time, then you should have put in rules to kind of deter guys from uh, acting out such violence toward whether it be a child or a woman. Yeah, and I think one of the, a lot of people's problems with the NFL and how they handled things was it seemed to be like they were just making it up as they went along. Like you said, there wasn't a hard, fast, if you do this, then this is the consequence. It was kind of like, well, let's just make it up as we go along. We'll give Ray Rice this kind of suspension, and then, well, when that second video comes out, we'll give him this kind of suspension. And they didn't quite know what to do with Adrian Peterson. And um, I think... You know, fans just want to see that, you know, if X happens, then Y is the result. And the players want to know, I would imagine, like, okay, if I fall down and trip, like, this is the penalty. And it's not make it up as you go along, right? Yeah, and it's been, it, it, that's the perception. And, you know, in this business and this day and age, perception is reality. If I perceive you to, you know, be making it up as it goes, then that's the way it is. And the NFL um, did, a, did themselves a, uh, a disjustice by, you know, levying, levying a fine against Ray Rice, suspending him for a game, but then ultimately coming back after the video surfaces and then um, giving him a much stiffer uh, suspension and fine. So everyone's looking at it as if, hey, listen, you guys – didn't have anything in place. So you're making it up as you go. And then it, uh, the, the Greg Hardy situation and what happened in, in, in San Fran. So there are a bunch of guys at one time that got in trouble, but the NFL didn't have anything concrete to say, hey, listen, guys, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. It was almost as if they took the rules rule book at that time and threw it out the window and started making it up case by case. Well, Roger Goodell has certainly uh, beefed up his cabinet, so to speak, his staff, and um, he has law enforcement officials and health officials, and you know he, he's added a lot of people to his staff in the last, I'd say, six months. And I guess we'll see how they get it from here on out. But it certainly, if if they fail now, it's not due to lack of staffing and people that have been brought in uh, who have worked in a variety of different capacities. No, because they brought in. So many people, and it's, I know the guys that have played this game in past years, 10, 15, 20 years ago, look at, look at it and wonder why grown men cannot um, be responsible. And they shouldn't have to take a Roger Goodell or the NFL to mandate certain rules and fines. You should be responsible for the things that you do, and I think that's the, that's the frustrating part about it. Uh, with myself, as well as I believe other veteran guys that have played in this game, it's almost as if, you know, we got to babysit you. The NFL has to babysit a bunch of 20- and 30-year-olds, and it should be that way. But I think Roger has done a good job post-Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, Greg Hardy, and making sure that guys understand that, hey, if this happens, then you will get suspended and or fined X amount of dollars and X amount of games. You bring up an interesting point, though, about the NFL needing to babysit players of this era. And again, we don't want to group everyone together because there's a lot of players that are doing fantastic things on and off the field. But 
Do you think that the players who fall down, is it their upbringing? Is it lack of education? Is it their environment? What is it that leads to them making these mistakes off the field? Because there have been a lot of them over, you know, I'd say the last 15 to 20 years. And, and that's where everyone kind of looks at the league and goes, okay, you've got gladiators on the field and we enjoy watching the sport, but there's a price to pay off the field because, you know, this is part of their personality. It's a, it's, it's a situation where these are, they must be taught at a younger age, whether it be high school, middle school, or college. These are the things that you are supposed to do and not do. And then there needs to be someone that holds them to that. And I think a lot of times when you're an athlete, you get babied and coddled so much and you're allowed to get away with so much that when you become an adult, you don't learn these these life skills. And everyone that that preceded you or everyone that was before you did you a disservice because they didn't teach you how to be a man. They didn't teach you how to be a, an adult. They didn't teach you what you need to do or what not to do. And what I understand, a lot of things that seem like common sense, but just because I think it's common sense doesn't mean the next guy thinks it's common sense. So those athletes that are being coddled and things are getting done for them, I think they're the people that are doing it are doing them a disservice because once they get out on their own and they have to make decisions as adults, they can't make adult decisions. So then you put them in a situation, i.e. What, what has happened in the NFL the last couple of years where, you know, they're doing things that, that are just irresponsible, not just to themselves, but to their wives, their girlfriends, their families, as well as the team. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Before I let you go, you played at Michigan State, had a fantastic career there. You played for Nick Saban. Talk about the kind of influence that Nick Saban had on you, because he's a, a no-nonsense type of guy from what I can observe from afar. I've never really spent a lot of time with him, but he seems like an all-business type of dude. Yeah, he is. And when he took the job at Michigan State, I believe that was his first big major college job and he came in and he basically turned that program around uh, he implemented a lot of things he got guys out of there that were not about winning and were not about doing things the right way and a lot of guys needed that a lot of guys needed that stern hand and he was that guy he's a great X's and O's guy uh, they say he has lightened up just a bit in these days but um, I'm pretty sure he's the same uh, Coach Saban that was coach that coached me in '96 and '95 and '96 that he is now. He's uh, he's about the X's and O's. He's about the football, but he does care about the athlete as a person. So he's going to be hard on you, but he's going to try to get the most that he possibly can out of you as a player and as a person. Well, Derek Mason, 15-year NFL vet. Also an analyst now for the Big Ten Network and 102.5 The Game in Nashville. Very excited that he's going to be part of the Sports PR Summit in New York on May 19th. You can follow him on Twitter at DMason, that's D-E-E-M-A-S-O-N 85, at DMason 85. Derek, enjoyed this conversation. Really look forward to meeting you in person in New York in May. And thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Uh, No problem, and I'm looking forward to it as well. All right, you take care. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR, powered by Postano, after this. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pastano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. 
even better. Using the Pistano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pistano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pistano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S-T-A-N-O dot com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us this week. I want to thank our guests, Josh Shaw, the founder and CEO of Mission Athlete Care, Maury Brown from Forbes, follow him at Bizball Maury, and Derek Mason, 15-year NFL vet, really enjoyed our conversation. Looking forward to having him as a panelist at our event, the Sports PR Summit, on May 19th. In New York, if you want to see the full lineup for that event, it is at sportsprsummit.com. Again, a reminder, Sports Business Radio Roadshow coming up on April 10th at the W.P. Carey School of Business at Arizona State. Derek Hall, the president of the Arizona Diamondbacks, will be my guest. You can follow the social conversation at the event by following the hashtag SBRadioASU. Thanks to our friends at Pistano for the displays at our Sports Business Radio Roadshow so everyone uh, inside and outside can follow the conversation. And again, listen to our show the week of April 13th for the audio of my conversation with Derek Hall on Sports Business Radio. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, and Doug Zanger. Thanks to our friends at Pistano for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow them at Pistano.com or on Twitter at Pistano. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand. Just go to SportsBusinessRadio.com. You can find us on iTunes. Type in Sports Business Radio in the podcast section. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn Radio. And you can go to SportsBusinessRadio.com for information on us in between shows. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Forbes Magazine, name that feed, one of the top 100 must-follows in sports business. Enjoy March Madness. Enjoy uh, everything in the sports world. Busy season in the NFL right now with uh, free agency and everything leading up to the draft. We will talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio.